here's where we take a turn because this is just the way that my brain works. The idea of humanizing a dog, it reminded me of things that I learned during my training in psychology that really stood out to me. And one thing that stood out that is like so random, feral children, there are literally accounts of children who were abandoned by their families, who became a member of a pack of wolves. And as, as we all know, we talked about this before, about how dogs are descendants of wolves. Essentially, domesticated dog is a docile wolf that was just trained over hundreds of years. But um, there are in- instances where there, the reverse occurred, where these wolves took in actual people mm-hmm. and raised them. Didn't hurt them or anything, raised them. So a little background about these feral children who were raised as wolves. Now, first of all, we all know the story, like the jungle, the jungle book, right? So that was based on actual stories. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, of, yeah. Of a child who was children who were raised by these wild animals. Um, not anyone in particular, but just the mythology of it. But there is science that says that it actually did happen. So a few things about these children that made them particularly unique, and this is why it stood out to me, because I was just fascinated by it. First of all, um, one of the children was found in maybe France, and he could, where it got cold and where it snowed, this boy could sleep in the snow, be in the snow and not get frostbite, I get sick, nothing, completely naked. This boy would sleep by the time they found him. Hmm. He would sleep in the snow because his body had adapted to that climate and being barefoot. Like he was, he was perfectly fine. Right. Also, he, this particular child, as with the others as well, refused to wear clothes. They would put him in clothes and he would, the, the children who were raised by these animals were ripped them off and they were perfectly fine in the outdoors with no clothes on. So like real life, naked and afraid, not afraid, but naked and just doing just fine. Another thing about these children is that they couldn't speak because if you're not taught language, then how do you learn how to speak? Right. So clear, clearly they were communicating with the wolves that were raising them in these packs because they were able to actually assimilate to the wolf life. But, um, yeah, so they couldn't speak. And one of these kids, and I'll, I'll give an example, but he kind of learned a few lo- words later in life, but he was essentially just in a, mm-hmm. in a um, mental health facility in his entire life, institution his entire life. He never really was able to communicate. But what's really wild is that these kids would also walk on all fours. Mm. True story. Mm. True story. Yeah, so they had to actually learn how to walk upright. Wow. Because they were they learned how to walk from animals who walk on all fours and they were they were fine. They were walking around on all fours. It's just, you know, shocking to us because we're human beings and we don't do that. But um 
yeah, in, in my opinion, those kind of stories speak to the symbiotic nature of man and his dog. And it just shows that that relationship is reciprocal mm-hmm. in some way because they have the ability to e- even feel the compassion to know that, okay, let me just take care of this child, which could have easily been food for them and bring them into the pack and, and accept them and give them a good life and make sure they're eat, eating and well and everything. But isn't that wild? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I heard about situations like that where somehow, some way end up with a pack of animals and they're raised by the animals and stuff like that. But I didn't really realize, I didn't, you, don't, you don't think about it like they're not able to even talk they work walking on all fours that's so crazy but it just speaks to the amazing abilities of the human body to adapt yeah and survive and then it also speaks to the amazing connection between man and animal mm-hmm. hmm. and what your brain can what your brain if adapted can get you through what you mentally can get through as a person. If you if your brain is adapted to like you said, you can sleep in the snow. Mm-hmm. I slept like right now. We, next next week is supposed to be like dropping down in the thirties. All right. Yeah. We sleep on the front porch. We on the front porch, not in the snow, thirty degrees, you will probably die. Yeah. Or be very, very ill. Something. Weak sauce. That's crazy. Compared to these children who are like on all fours, like what what's up? running mm. through the snow sleeping they don't need a blanket they don't need a pillow they don't need a nightlight they don't need none of that they're out there like what mm. but yeah i used to love stories like that and they are outliers for sure it's not something that you see very often no, you don't. but but it it has happened and it can happen and you know it, it it makes me think about these days how people are so protective of their children and I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't protect your children, but I'm saying like hyper vigilant over their children being hurt and all these different things. There are people out there who were raised by wolves and they were fine. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> literally <laughs> raised by mm-hmm. wolves. Little Johnny, if he has to walk to school, he's not going to die. He'll be okay. He'll With be his scarf fine. on and his gloves on and his coat on and his inserts in the gloves that give off heat and his cell phone where he can call you if it gets too cold and with the the um, warm waffles in his belly mm-hmm. on the way to the bus stop and the the bottle of water that he gets to drink when he gets on the bus he he good and put all the clothes on him and if for some reason he still isn't warm he has a $1200 cell phone in his pocket that he can google how do I keep myself warm with a coat on he can on. look it up Look it up. And he can he he can read about it Look and it he up. can talk about it and all of that, unlike these folks. So uh just to test my memory, because sometimes it's like I'm not sure, is, is this a, a true a real memory or is this a false memory? Because I, I watch a lot of different things and it, sometimes they can all come together for mm-hmm. me. I went to our handy dandy chat GPT mm-hmm. and um I put in the prompt create a short excerpt of scholarly articles about children raised by wolves in the voice of a national geographic article. Mm. So I'm like, give me, give me some examples of these children. And then I I actually, that was the first prompt and it kind of gave me something that was vague. And I said, include examples 
of children who were thought to be raised by wolves in order to improve that input and, and make it better. So this is the article, and y'all know how much I like to read to you. Um, but this is the article via ChatGPT, and the title of it is Children of the Wild, A Glimpse into the Lives of Those Raised by Wolves by ChatGPT. <laughs> so, okay, so this is what it says, and this is in the voice of National Geographic because y'all know how much I love me some Nat Geo. But um, it says... In the remote wilderness of the untamed forest, where human footsteps seldom tread, a phenomenon of remarkable intrigue has captured the imagination of explorers, scientists, and storytellers alike, children raised by wolves. These enigmatic tales of feral youngsters reared in the heart of the wolf pack have long fascinated the human psyche, offering a, a window into the astonishing resilience of the human spirit and the complex interplay between nature and nurture. I couldn't have said it any better. For centuries, reports of such feral children have emerged from various corners of the globe, from the dense Siberian taiga to the dense Amazonian rainforest. Yet, it is perhaps the iconic stories of Mowgli and Romulus and Remus that have etched these narratives into the annuals of human history, fueling our collective curiosity about the limits of human adaptation and our connection to the natural world. One such remarkable account hails from India, where in the mid-19th century, a young boy named Dina Sanachar was discovered living among wolves in the wilderness. With matted hair, callous skin, and the distinct gait of a quadruped, which means a quadruped, which means of a four-legged creature or something, Dina had spent several years with his lupine companions before being brought back into human society. His story offered a glimpse into the profound impact of the wolf pack's teachings on a young, impressionable mind. In the heart of Sierra Morena, mountains in Spain, in the early 20th century, the legend of Marcos Rodriguez Pantoja, a boy abandoned by his family and raised by wolves, captivated the world. Pantoja's survival in the rugged terrain was attributed to his adoption of wolf-like behaviors, from hunting for sustenance to seeking shelter in rocky crevices. His reintegration into human society was marked by numerous challenges. These stories, though rare and exceptional, underscore the incredible adaptability of the human species when faced with the most extreme circumstances. Recent studies have delved into these questions, shedding light on the remarkable abilities of these wolf children to mimic the behaviors and vocalizations of their lupine companions. Through keen observation, they acquire the essential skills for survival in the wilderness, such as hunting, foraging, and shelter building. In the absence of human nurturing, these children form deep bonds with their adopted wolf families, offering a testament to the universal human longing for connection, for connection and belonging. Yet, the transition from the wild back to human society is fraught with challenges. Researchers have documented the profound psychological and physical adjustments required for these children to reintegrate into human communities, 
As the stories of these extraordinary children continue to captivate our imagination, they also serve as a reminder of the delicate balance between our primal instincts and our capacity for culture and civilization. The tales of children raised by wolves are a testament to the enduring mysteries of human existence and our eternal fascination with the untamed world that surrounds us. Hmm. So, so fascinating. All of these gentle parenting advocates, chew on that. There mm. are children who actually were out here, literally raised by wolves. They were able to survive through that. Not, not meet our standards as human beings necessarily, but they didn't die. Right. What's the human standard, though? I mean, that, that's the problem. It's, it's like what we what we consider is the standard mm-hmm. according to the day, time that you're living and when you're raised, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and it changes. It's so fl- fickle. Oh my God. Does it change? It's I fickle. mean, this is like the standard It's hard to meet that standard. You know, I see my kids running around here with air force ones, platforms, Jordans. I mean, all day long. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's great that I can support my kids and have them, you know, in the best clothes, but at the same time, when I was growing up, um, I had one pair of shoes I wore to school, not counting, you know, my football cleats, baseball cleats, whatever, basketball shoes, whatever. One pair of shoes that I wore to school, two pairs of jeans, two shirts, you know, packing underwear and pack of socks that I got before I started school in, in August, and that used to have to last me until Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, my grandmother might go to a couple garage sales and get you know, a couple shirts, hand-me-downs, this and this and that, whatever. But overall, these kids got it good compared to what we had it. Mm-hmm. They do. It's they crazy. do. So crazy. With three very expensive Dobermans running around here. When I was growing up, I would get maybe a stray or some dog that somebody didn't want to deal with. Had a German Shepherd one time. That was my uncle's dog that he didn't want anymore. I had two miniature Schnauzers. Schnauzers. Um, is that how you pronounce it? Schnauzers. Schnauzers. Mm-hmm. And they were two dogs that my aunt gave us that she didn't want anymore. Another time we had a mutt named Sparky. That was from a woman at, that we met at the park who was trying to get rid of her dogs. Um, needless to say, not only did my parents not spend money to get dogs, they spent the bare minimum on their food. Yeah. If if they even got their own food, it might just be scraps. Okay, so that part. And absolutely no to a vet visit. It's not going to happen. This dog is just about to die. Mm-hmm. Period. And actually, we don't even want to see this dog die. Just go let it loose someplace to go die away from my house. I don't even want to watch that. So, uh, yeah, they're not growing up like that. And they don't they don't even understand. They don't get it. They have no clue. They don't get it. Mm, but but um, it has with my daughter, with our youngest today, because she thinks that she's because she has a, a little job that she works. And I'm proud of her. She's been holding it down for over two years. Yeah. And she's 17. And so I get it. It's great. Know, but at the same time, it's like you still have responsibilities around here. You're just not going to walk around here acting like you don't have no responsibilities. Driving it's, our nice cars around, living in a nice neighborhood, doing all the things, 
having all the things and just not having to contribute in mm. any way to the the community being and our, as a parent as a, as a as a parent what do you what do you get you get a spoiled child and more expensive bills mm-hmm. that's all you get that's it you know we had to add her to the car insurance because she drives back and forth to work so you know add a 16 17 year old to your car insurance see what happens yeah especially in in atlanta where car insurance is is astronomically mm-hmm. high because it's one of the most dangerous places to drive in the country accidents happen all the time even recently our daughter she lost a friend who died in a car accident it was a mm-hmm. terrible accident where actually three people that she knew were in a car it was a group of maybe five teenagers and they were driving down the interstate um we found out later that they were probably racing but racing down the interstate, nobody in the car is over 19, and the driver loses control of the car and drives off of the, what do you call that? I guess what would be called, like a on-ramp? The on-ramp onto the expressway, it was like elevated, and yeah. drove off the side and landed on the expressway that was running underneath it, and Dang. then got hit by another car, yep. Yep. and terrible kids were thrown out of the car it was it was horrible it was very terrible horrible you know and even with that knowledge just driving around speeding around um but yeah it's expensive is the main point to add people to insurance i'm sure people drag race everywhere but atlanta is just particularly difficult to drive in when i came here i had several instances where I low-key had panic attacks. I've never officially had a panic attack, but I'm pretty sure I was on the verge of them. Just trying to navigate these dark expressways and windy roads and bridges and all kind of stuff. So I understand why the insurance is high, but it's high. Mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of money on just day-to-day and there's no appreciation from these kids who are completely, completely spoiled. They don't even realize that we could have just let them loose in a, a park someplace and let them be raised by like a pack of <laughs> wolves, <laughs> a pack of pack of coyotes. They got coyotes down here in Georgia. A little pack of coyotes raise these kids. They got something to whine about things. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they, you know, go hunt yeah. for your food and just eat it and. You know, uh, they don't even know that 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 could have that could have been them. That could have been could have been their life. But to just kind of wrap it up, which is another aspect of it. This is why we were even discussing the feral children in my psychology master's program. They eventually tried to when they would find these children, of course, they would try to integrate them back into society like, okay, well, you're feral and you act like an animal that we shouldn't. That, that's not the way you should be. Let's take you and socialize you and make you more like a human. And with these children, they would take them into these psychiatric facilities and try to fix them. And all of them were damaged beyond repair. They never had a full life and probably were never fully happy. And, yeah, it was like the the end of their stories. They may have been better just better off left with the wolves i wonder what happened to them like what are they at today you know because it's like who are we you know i mean yeah it's not i guess it's not natural to have a child be out running with a pack of wolves in the woods and 
Right. What do you do? You can't but just be same, like, okay, go back into the woods, kid. At, right. At the same time, no, it's just like, who are we to say what is a healthy way of living? So they they may have adapted this person and they're miserable from that day forward. Yeah. But now we're much more happier running around naked with the wolves. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where philosophy comes in. You know, it's like we're kind of entering into that realm. You know, it's just what what is right? What is wrong? What is purpose? What is, you know, the meaning of life? Having an existential crisis when you think about things like that, you know? Yeah. But let's see what this, this person ended up. Okay, so I found this article by... Express, that's the name of the online publication. I don't know that this is particularly scholarly, but um, I just typed in the guy's name, Mark Mark Marcus Rodriguez Pintoja, and this is the man who was raised by wolves for twelve of his formative years. This is what this is what Chat GPT was telling us about was describing. Okay, so they say now, the now, 70, 70, the now 72-year-old was found barefoot and half-naked, communicating only by grunts. Spanish outlet El Pais, P-A-I-S, I cannot speak Spanish, so forgive me if I said that wrong, uh, reported he now lives in a small, cold property and that his last positive memories were as a child in, with the wolves. They said he was eating berries and mushrooms while he was out there with the wolves, so maybe he wasn't eating raw meat. So, okay, this isn't giving me what I what I need. I'm going to look up what happened to this guy just explicitly. Let me ask chat. Let's see what chat says. Okay, so Chat GPT says about Mar Marcos Rodriguez Pantoja in 1975. In 1965, at the age of 19, he was he was discovered and rescued by the Civil Guard, reintegrating into human society. His story was the subject of books, documentaries, and interviews. After his return to civilization, he had a relatively low-profile life, working various jobs and living in different parts of Spain. And then chat goes on to with with this this disclaimer. However, I do not have information on any events or developments related to Marcos beyond January 2022. His situation may have evolved since then. And I recommend checking the latest news or sources for any updates on his life. OK, but there was another guy for sure who they tried to. Fix him. And they're not sure who this kid was living with. Mm hmm. And this person, he's one of the most famous of the feral children. His name is Victor of Aveyron. Um, this was in France. And he, too, was found around the age of nine years old. So they're not sure if, if this particular kid was raised by wolves, but he was also found naked in, in the snow. I think I mentioned it earlier in the episode. And I guess thriving from the perspective of he was naked alone in the woods mm -hmm. and alive um so thriving but they said that after he was found a young medical student adopted victor into his home and published reports of his progress this is um, according to wiki wikipedia 
The doctor's name was Dr. Itard or Itard. And it says here, while Victor did not learn to speak the language that Itard tried to teach him, it seems that Victor did make progress in his behavior towards other people. At the Itard home, housekeeper Madame Guerin was setting the table one evening while crying over the loss of her husband. Victor stopped what he was doing and displayed consoling behavior towards her. Itard reported on his progress. Hmm. So, I mean, he never, this particular kid, as I was saying, they didn't know who he was raised by. He was just out there. I'm just going to imagine that he was raised by some, some type of animals Mm -hmm. and he just never fully became like us. But what's fascinating about the story is that he survived it all and that these animals were raising him. Right. Maybe that's amazing. Um, But like I said, Human can adapt. Human humans can adapt to their surroundings. You know, they can adapt to anything. Yeah, and you know when people argue about humanizing, also know that the relationship is mutual. That is reciprocated, as we've seen with these folks back in the day, who were taken in by packs of animals, raised and were able to survive. Yeah. 